Book One, Chapters thirty six thirty seven of Amadis of Gaul. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Amadis of Gaul by Vasco de Lobeira. Translated by Robert Southey. Book One, Chapters thirty six and thirty seven. Chapter thirty six How Amadis and Galaor knew of this great treason and took counsel to procure, if they could, the liberty of the king and Oriana. Amadis and Galaor were within two leagues of London when they saw Ardan, the dwarf, coming towards them as fast as horse could gallop. Never trust me, quoth Amadis, if he comes not with the news of some great mishap to seek us presently the dwarf came up and related all his tidings and how oriana was carried away holy mary help me cried amadis which way did they take her by the city is the nearest road amadis immediately spurred his horse and galloped amain towards london so confounded with the terror of this news that he never spoke a word to galaor who followed him full speed they passed close by the town without stopping a minute only amadis inquired of all he saw which way the princess had been taken but as gandalin passed under the windows where the queen and her ladies were the queen called him and threw the king's sword to him which was the best sword that ever knight girded on take it to your master quoth she and god speed him with it and tell galaor that the king went from hence with a damsel this morning and is not yet returned and we know not where she has led him gandalin took the sword and rode as fast as he could after amadis who coming to a brook missed the bridge in his hurry and forcing the horse to leap the tired animal fell short into the mud then gandalin came up to him and gave him the sword and the horse which he himself rode presently they turned aside from the road to follow the track of horsemen and there they saw some woodmen who asked them if they came from london for if a knight and a damsel be missing there said they we have seen an adventure and then they told them what they had beheld who is it that has taken them quoth amadis for he knew it was lisuarte by the description they answered the damsel who led the knight here called loudly for archelaus lord god quoth amadis let me but find that traitor the woodman then told them how the party had separated and said that one of the five knights who went with the damsel was the biggest knight they had ever seen amadis knew that that was archelaus and bidding galaor follow where the knight went he spurred on after oriana by sunset the horse could carry him no farther and he being greatly distressed saw a little to the right of the road a knight lying dead and a squire by him holding his horse who slew that knight cried amadis a traitor that passed by carrying the fairest damsel in the world by force and he slew my master only for asking who they were and here is no one to help me to remove the body my squire shall help you give me your master's horse i promise to give you two better in return he told gandalin to follow him after the body was disposed of and galloped on 
towards daybreak he came to a hermitage in a village and asked the hermit if he had seen five knights pass carrying with them two damsels do you see yonder castle he replied my nephew tells me that arcalaus the enchanter is lodged there and with him two fair damsels whom he hath taken by violence by god the very villain whom i seek he hath done much evil in this land replied the hermit god remove him or mend him then amadis asked him if he had any barley for his horse and while the horse was feeding inquired who was the lord of the castle grumen said the good man cousin to dardan who was slain in lisuarte's court and therefore the king's enemies put up there now god be with you father quoth amadis i beseech you remember me in your prayers which way to the castle amadis followed the path which the good man had pointed out and came up to it and saw that the wall was high and the towers strong he listened and could hear no sound within and that pleased him for he knew that archelaus was not gone forth and he rode round and saw that it had only one issue then he retired among some crags and dismounting stood holding the bridle and with his eyes fixed upon the gate like one who had no will to sleep by this the morning broke and he removed farther across the valley to a hill that was well wooded for he feared that if those of the castle saw him they would suspect there were others at hand and therefore not come out presently the gate opened and a knight came out and went to a high eminence and looked all around then returned into the castle it was not long before he saw archelaus and his four companions come out all well armed and among them oriana ah god quoth he now and forever help me in her defence they drew near him and he heard oriana say dear friend i shall never see thee more for i go to my death the tears came into his eyes he descended the hill as fast as he could and came after them into a great plain and then cried arcalaus traitor it becomes not one like thee to carry away so excellent a lady oriana knew the voice and shook all over but Archelaus and the other ran at him. He took his aim at Archelaus and bore him right over the crupper, then turned his horse and smote at Grumman, so that the point and part of the stave of the spear came out at his back, and he fell down dead, and the spear broke in him. Then he drew the king's sword, and laid about with such rage and violence, and felt such strength in himself, that he thought if the whole plain were full of knights, they could not stand before him. "'We are succored,' quoth the damsel of Denmark. "'It is the fortunate knight. Look at the wonders he performeth.' "'Ah, God protect thee, dear friend,' cried Oriana. "'None other in the world can save us.' the squire who had her in his keeping seen what had passed cried out certes i shall not wait till those blows come upon my head which shields and helmets cannot resist and he put the princess down and rode off full speed by this amadis had cut through the arm of another and sent him away howling with the agony of death and he cleft a third down to the neck the fourth began to fly and amadis was after him when he heard his lady cry and looking round saw that arcalaus had mounted again and was dragging her up by the arm amadis soon came up to him and lifting up his sword dared not put forth his strength lest he should slay both but with a half blow he smote him on the shoulder and cut away part of the cuirass and the skin 
then Archelaus let Oriana fall, that he might escape the better. Turn, Archelaus, cried Amadis, and see if I be dead as thou hast reported. But he, in fear of death, spurred on and threw his shield from off his neck for speed. The blow made at him just reached his loins with the sword end, and fell upon the horse's flank and wounded it, so that the beast rode away more furiously. Amadis, albeit he so hated the enchanter, did not pursue him further, lest he should lose his mistress. He turned towards her and alighted and knelt before her, and kissed her hand, saying, Now let God do with me what he will. I never thought to see you again. She, being among the dead, was in great terror, and could not speak, but she embraced him. The damsel of Denmark, going to hold his horse, saw the sword of Archelaus on the ground, and admiring its beauty, gave it to Amadis. But he, seeing it, was right glad thereof, for it was King Perion's sword, which had been placed in his cradle, and which Archelaus had taken when he enchanted him. Presently Gandalin came up, who had travelled all night long. A joyful man was he, seeing how the quest had ended. Amadis then placed Oriana upon the damsel's palfrey, while Gandalin caught one of the loose horses for the damsel, and take her her bridle, they left the place of battle. But Amadis, as they went along, reminded Oriana how she had promised to be his. Hitherto, said he, I have known that it was not in your power to show me more favor than you did, but now that you are at full liberty, how should I support disappointments without the worst despair that ever destroyed man? Dear friend, quoth she, never for my sake shall you suffer, for I am at your will, though it be an error and a sin now, let it not be so before God. When they had proceeded about three leagues, they entered a thick wood, and about a league farther there was a town. Oriana, who had not slept a wink since she left her father's house, complained of fatigue. Let us rest in that valley, said Amadis. There was a brook there and soft herbage. There Amadis took her from her palfrey. The noon, said he, is coming on very hot. Let us sleep here till it be cooler, and meantime Gandalin shall go bring us food from the town. He may go, replied Oriana, but who will give him food? They will give it him for his horse, which he may leave in pledge and return on foot. No, said Oriana, let him take my ring, which was never before so useful, and she gave it to Gandalin, who, as he went by Amadis, said to him, He who loses a good opportunity, sir, must wait long before he find another. Oriana laid herself down upon the damsel's cloak, while Aramadis, disarmed, of which he had great need, and the damsel retired farther among the trees to sleep. Then was his lady in his power, nothing loth, and the fairest damsel in the world became a woman. Yet was their love increased thereby, as pure and true love always is. When Gandalin returned, the damsel prepared the food, and though they had neither many serving-men, nor vessels of gold and silver, yet was that a sweet meal upon the green grass in the forest. End of chapter 36 Chapter 37 How Don Galaor delivered King Lisuarte from the captivity to which they were treacherously leading him away. Galaor rode on after the king so fast as his horse could carry him, still following the track of the horseman. 
about vespers he met a knight who cried out to him whither so fast stop and tell me i have no time quoth he by saint mary you pass not so tell me or fight me but galaor still rode on certes knight cried the stranger you have committed some villainy that you fly so fast defend yourself galaor turned as if to meet him in his career but dexterously moved aside so that the knight's horse and his speed carried him a good way on ah coward cried the knight when at last he turned thou shalt answer me or die and he ran at him full tilt again galaor avoided the encounter and rode on as fast as he could when the knight saw him far before he said as god shall help me he shall not escape so and knowing the country well he struck across by a nearer way and took possession of a pass faint-hearted coward quoth he choose now of three things fight or turn back or answer me i like neither replied galaor and you are discourteous if you want to know why i go so fast follow me and see i should lose time in telling you and you would not believe me it is for so great an evil the knight answered in god's name then go on and i will follow thee though for these three days in about half a league's time they saw one knight running after his horse and another galloping away from him he who was with galaor knew him on foot for he was his cousin and he caught the horse for him and asked him how is this he replied i was riding along thinking upon you know what when that knight yonder gave me such a thrust on my shield that the horse fell upon his knees and threw me i drew my sword and called to him to do battle but he only cried out remember to answer another time when you are spoken to and so he rode away by my faith in god let us follow him and see you how i will avenge myself i cannot said his cousin now for i must keep this knight company for three days and then he related what had befallen him with galaor quoth the other certes either he is the greatest coward in the world or he goes upon some great adventure i will forgo my own vengeance to see the end of this by this galaor was far before them for he did not tarry a whit and they rode after him it was now drawing towards night galaor entered a forest and soon lost the track for it was dark so that he knew not which way to take then he began to pray to god to guide him that he might be the first to succour the king and thinking that those horsemen might have led the king apart from the road to rest themselves he went along the bottoms listening everywhere if he might hear them the knights thinking he had kept the road rode straight forward about a league till they came through the forest and not seeing him there they imagined he had hidden himself and they turned aside to lodge in the house of a dame hard by when galaor had searched the forest throughout and found nothing he resolved to proceed and ascend some eminence the next day to look about so recovering the road he went on till he came into the open country and there he saw before him in a valley a little fire thither he went it was some forgemen and they seeing him come among them in arms took up lances and hatches to defend themselves but he bidding them not fear besought them to give him some barley for his horse the which they did and he gave the beast his supper they would have given him also to eat but he would not 
only he lay down to sleep requesting them to wake him before daybreak the night was two parts gone and galaor lay down by the fire completely armed at dawn he rose for he had not slept much for pure vexation and commending them to god he took his leave his squire had not been able to keep pace with him and thenceforth he vowed if god prospered him to give his squire the better horse so he rode to a high hill and from thence began to look all around him the two cousins had now left the lady's house and it being now day they saw galaor on the eminence and knowing him by his shield rode towards him as they drew nigh they saw him descend the hill as fast as horse could carry him certes quoth the one he is flying and concealing himself for some mischief if i come up with him god never help me if i do not learn from him what he hath deserved but galaor thinking nothing of them had just seen ten knights passing a strait at the entrance of the forest of whom five rode first and five behind and some unarmed men went in the middle these he thought to be the villains with the king and went towards them like a man who has devoted his own life to save another coming near he saw lisuarte with a chain about his neck and then with grief and rage that defied danger he ran at the first five exclaiming ah traitors to your own misfortune have you laid hands upon the best man in the world the five at the once ran at him he smote the first so sternly that the wood of his lance appeared through his back and he fell dead the others smote him with such force that his horse fell upon his knees and one of them drove his spear between galaor's shield and breastplate galaor forced it from him and striking at another with it nailed his leg to the horse and left the broken lance in them then putting hand to sword the others all came at him and he defended himself so bravely that every one wondered how he could bear up against such blows but being in this great press of danger it pleased god to succour him with the two cousins who were in his pursuit who seeing his great chivalry exclaimed of a truth we wrongly called him coward let us go help the best knight in the world with that they ran full tilt to his assistance like men who knew their business for they had each been errant knights for ten years and the one was called ladasin the sword-player and the other don guilan the pensive the good knight at this time galaor had great need of their aid for his helmet was hacked and battered his harness open in many places and his horse tottering with loss of blood yet he felt assured that if his horse did not fail him he should bring it to a good end but when the two cousins came to his help then he bestirred himself more hopefully for he marvelled at their prowess the load of blows was lightened and he had room for action when the cousin of arcalaus saw how things were going for his knights were falling on all sides he ran to lisuarte to slay him those who were with the king had fled and he got from off palfrey with the chain about his neck and cut up a shield and sword from the ground and received upon the shield the blow that was meant for his death the sword passed a palm's length through the rim of the shield and with its point reaching the head made a slant wound to the skull but the king 
smote at his enemy's horse in the face so that the traitor could not repeat the blow and the horse reared and fell back upon the rider galaor now on foot for his horse could not move ran to him to smite off his head but the king called out not to slay him by this the two cousins had made an end of their last enemy and then turning round they knew the king to their great wonder for they knew nothing of what had happened and they took off their helmets and knelt before him he raised them up saying by my god friends you have succoured me in time great wrong don guilan hath your mistress done me in withdrawing you from my company and for your sake i lose ladacine also guilan was ashamed at these words and his cheeks crimsoned for he loved the duchess of bristol and she loved him and the duke always suspected it was he who had entered his castle when galaor was there galaor had now taken the chain from lisuarte and fastened it around the cousin of arcalaos they took the horses of the dead one for the king and one for galaor and rode towards london they halted at the dwelling of Ladacine, and there found Galaor's squire and Ardian, the dwarf, who thought his master had taken that way. A squire was sent forthwith to inform the queen of Lisuarte's safety. They rested that night, and, as they set forth on the morning, their prisoners confessed how all that had passed had been concerted with Barsinan, that he might make himself king of Great Britain, which, when Lisuarte heard, he spurred on in greater haste. End of chapters 36-37